all guys that go this upcoming Friday night. It's going to be fun, man. I kind of hope this is going to be a game, but on the other side of things, Florida State has a chance to put up points to where Florida can't keep up. And, you know, I talked with Zach about it, and this team with the UF will fight. They will fight in that third and fourth quarter, but at some point you can really – put your foot on their neck and say bye-bye quickly if they want to. This is a home game for Florida State. Night game has already been sold out since the offseason. It's going to be a rowdy Doe Campbell Stadium on Friday night, guys. I'm excited to be down there to cover it. Hey, guys. It's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Doles. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear. Presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? It's Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are live on a wonderful, gorgeous Wednesday evening, night before Thanksgiving and two nights away from Florida State versus Florida and Billy Napier when the Gators come into town for a primetime matchup in Doe Campbell Stadium. Tallahassee, I know, is fired up. I know a lot of students back at home right now, but our lot are coming back and making the drive up to come to this one. But with us this evening, we've got a special guest with us from all Gators, our friends over there on the Fan Nation Network under Sports Illustrated, Zach Goodall with us this evening to help us break down the Florida Gators and what Billy Napier in his first year is going to be bringing into Tallahassee. Looking forward to having Zach on. And also up top with me is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoelGameDay.com. Gentlemen, Zach, super appreciative of you spending your time with us this evening. It's a rivalry week baby i mean I'm, we always look forward to this one no matter what probably this one for fsu fans a little bit more than recent years but <laughs> nonetheless uh should be a fun one on friday night zach yeah i um first off thank you guys for having me um i i was looking on twitter last week and it was in the moment you know florida fans go into the vanderbilt game with having won all but one game since 1989 you know they're looking past it they're ready to go and they see they're trolling Florida State fans because Florida State fans are looking at Florida thinking that it could be a very winnable game. Um, and I saw a lot of Florida fans kind of like trying to bait Florida State fans. Like, oh, yeah, we suck. Like, oh, Florida State's going to wax us. It's going to be easy. And then Florida lost to Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> and I've gone through and I've looked at all of these guys' tweets now that were doing that last week, and they are now legitimately scared about this game. And uh, and they have every reason to be. I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you guys. I know. Me and Dustin, we were talking about in the production meeting. We were pulling kind of here and, and UF's direction, mainly because this would be a ranked matchup, most likely. We were hoping that the college football playoff rankings would put the Gators in that top 25. So then you're looking at – a Friday matchup, which was already, you know, it's Florida State versus Florida. There's always going to be eyes on the TV, but the only night 
only game playing that night in a ranked matchup, yeah, you're going to get a lot of eyes across the country watching it. So we were, we were hoping that Florida would sneak away with the win against Vanderbilt, but that didn't seem to be the case. We'll talk about that. Uh, well, we got quite a bit on the docket to talk about tonight. We're going to get the rundown from Zach all about Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. And then later on, we are going to talk about Brock Glenn, Florida State flipping the Ohio State commitment there. We'll talk playoff rankings. We're going to talk some practice observations after a really competitive week of practice. And then we'll talk bowl projections. And to finish off the show, we will go into our own game preview, give keys to victory, recruiting list which should be pretty busy on Friday evening and then score predictions and whatever VZ wants to tell us basketball wise, we'll give him maybe two minutes max. It's FSU UF week. Yeah. And we do, we do have an ad. We do have a sponsored stream uh, this evening. So, but yeah, let, let's get started before we jump into things with Zach. You listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that like button, make sure you're commenting. Let us know if there's anything we're missing. If you got any topics or questions or any questions for Zach, make sure you drop them down into the comments below. Uh, but let, let, let's get started here. What, what's the vibes right now after that Vanderbilt loss, you were there for a couple of the press conferences. You were had one today and a depth chart came out, which we'll talk about, but what are the, what are the vibes after a loss like that? And do you think this is a team that will come into Florida State and and bring it to them? Because this team, under the first year, Billy Napier, I've been impressed. They will fight and they'll they'll go into third quarter and fourth quarter and they'll they'll play hard. But just just the overall feeling after that loss. Yeah, I mean, I think it was even evident in that loss that they'll fight. It points to an issue now that we've seen quite a bit is. They have to fight because they start slow quite often. They shoot themselves in the foot in a lot of different ways, offensively, defensively, and most consistently, I think, on special teams throughout the year. But I can't, besides the South Carolina game the week before Vanderbilt, tell you one time where they've even put together a half of complete football in all three units. And, you know, you go in against a team that's firing on all cylinders. You look at Florida State and – I mean, especially the way that this offense and defense plays, it, it feels like exactly what Florida wants to be. A, a very strong, demanding run game can open things up for the pass game as long as you have an efficient quarterback who can do things with his legs. Uh, and a defense that is thriving as a result of fantastic edge play. I mean, that is a carbon copy, really, I think, of what Napier has tried to do here um, at Florida in his first season. And, and it goes back a long way. You know, we... We saw the problems with Dan Mullen um, for several years of a lack of recruiting, serious issues with recruiting, especially in the state of Florida. And for me, I looked at this as seven and five to eight and four would probably be a success of a season considering that roster buildup struggle. And we're kind of seeing that before our very own eyes. I don't think anyone could have ever predicted that it would look like a 28 to 12 loss or sorry, a, a 34 to 20, uh, a 31 to 24 loss to Vanderbilt. Um, but ultimately it's, it's where we're at, you know, they're six and uh, five on the year. I think that they'll probably end up six and six when it's all said and done uh, a lot of flashes of hope, a lot of talent that you can see across the board where they've got some foundational pieces, but if you're going to take anything out of this season in terms of, you know, what motivates you for the future, it's probably the point you raise Logan is that you see, quite a bit of fight out of this team even in a game where they lose to Vanderbilt again for the second time since 1989 and and they truly do fight there up until the end 
you know, I don't think Dan Mullen's team would have come out of the locker room at halftime for comparison. So that's something at least that that Florida fans can hang their hat on. Gators coming into this one a little shorthanded. We saw the depth chart come out today and it looks like Florida is going to be without five scholarship wide receivers, including um, top wide receiver Justin Shorter. So who do you feel like is going to see a lot of action on Friday night in that wide receiver core? And how does that affect Florida's offensive attack? It affects it greatly. Um, if they were to be without every pass catcher on that injury report, they'd be without seven guys. Uh, I believe they would be without 117 receptions, um, nearly 1,800 yards and nine touchdowns on the year. It's for a passing offense that is super inconsistent as is, it's, it's not a winning formula. Uh, the good news from Napier's perspective is that Ricky Pearsall um, is anticipated to play. Uh, I would argue that even though Justin Shorter has led the team in receiving yards, Pearsall is probably the best complete receiver. Uh, does a great job of finding zones to get open and is a much better route runner, can do a lot more with the ball in his hands. Um, and that would be huge. I mean, that's right there, I think, is enough because it's the receiver that in really every level of the offense, I think Richardson is most comfortable with, whereas Shorter has really proven himself to be the deep threat of this offense. But, you know, Napier is a very predictable play caller. Um, I think that most people have been able to figure out, and there is a very specific play that he likes to run on his first drive. Uh, it's either a go route or a post route off of play action with Justin Shorter, and he's won that route like three or four times this year. They've connected a few times. Florida needs big plays like that to hang in with an offense like they're going to have against Florida State and – you know, even though I think Pearsall is a good player, I've not ever seen him do that. You know, who's going to step in and make that big play, that explosive play for the offense to keep you in with one of the best offenses in the nation? And I don't know. I mean, they've got two freshmen in, in, in a Dejon Reynolds and Caleb Douglas that they prop up a lot, have made plays. But I just I don't see any <laughs> I don't see any way that you can really keep up with an offense that's firing like Florida State's right now when you're down potentially seven pass catchers. What did you think about Richardson's comment? And I heard a few of the other UF beat members saying it's not, it's unlike him to talk like it, but him say when we beat Florida State, it's going to create a lot of momentum for us. And that just didn't seem like him. And, you know, going back to past interviews, me listening to him, it just didn't seem like something he would say, but he feels pretty confident coming to end of this one. What was your take, though, on him saying that a few days ago? I, um, I, I hope it doesn't get me in trouble, but it makes me think he's gone. You know, like he's an extremely humble quarterback from all of the interactions I've had with him. I think he's a good dude, but you're right. He doesn't really come out and speak in definitives like that about a game. You know, it's, it was very unlike him. And for him to say that after what we just witnessed this past weekend, <laughs> I like I I don't know where the confidence really comes from, but I mean, even he was saying after the game too, you could tell he wasn't in a great mood, but he was asked about the run game not working, which was extremely evident to I think a five year old could tell you it wasn't. And he basically said it was. Um he he was asked how he felt like they played and he just kind of brushed it off as well we lost. So, you know, whatever. But he threw for four hundred yards, so he clearly thought that he played pretty well. And, and you kind of put all those things together with the with the change, I guess, in the way he's maybe conducting himself on the mic. And 
we've seen the projections, right? We've seen the first round talk even amid his struggles this year. It, to me, it all kind of starts to add up as this guy might be thinking about his future a little bit. Sticking with Richardson, like you said, obviously there's been a lot of hype around him all year. He's had some ups. He's had some downs, you know, some inconsistencies at times. But still, you know, 23 total touchdowns this year. He's a monster whenever he gets out there and is allowed to scramble. I mean, it, it kind of blows me away the the way that he uses his legs at certain points in different games. But, you know, what are some of the things that he's done this year where he's been really successful and then also some of the areas where he struggled? And, and what do you think Florida State's going to have to do on Friday night to kind of limit him a little bit? Because defensively, there's been some times this year where they have struggled to defend scrambling quarterbacks. You know, Jaden Daniels, it was week one against LSU, but still he had over – 100 yards, and they came out against Louisville. Malik Cunningham was able to exploit them a couple times. So, yeah, can you just talk about that matchup a little bit? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the the issue with Richardson is you're right. He's a he's a dynamic rusher. I mean, I think he leads qualifying ball carriers in this offense on yards per attempt, second or tied for first on the team in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But we get these weird answers about it. Like there are some weeks where he is just you know having the time of his life running the ball around. And then the next he looks like he's actively choosing not to take an easy rush despite a throw not being there. And, and we've been told by Napier that there is an option for him to run the ball on almost every play. Um, he's said at times, but few and far between that he's regretted decisions not to run the ball, but all in all, it just, it doesn't feel like there's much rhyme or reason to it. I think that he is not only a great scrambler, but a much better designed rusher. And he doesn't necessarily take those designs and run with them. So it's, it kind of all goes toward the decision-making same thing with his first, I believe six games of the year where he threw an interception or committed a fumble in each one, and then went four games in a row without it. And really this past weekend, I mean, it was a, it was probably a poor decision on his throw, but he still gave his receiver a fighting chance. It went through his hands and then that ball was picked. He, he was that throw away from five games in a row. So he's to me at this point is that he's a bit of an enigma. You don't really know what you're getting. Are you getting the quarterback that trusts himself to throw and run the ball? Are you getting the one that's just going to run and can't trust himself as a passer? Are you getting the inverse like this past weekend where he'll throw for 400 on you and rush for, what felt like maybe 15 yards. It's, it's unpredictable at this point because it almost feels as though it's, it's something he's consciously doing, not so much the scheme. I mean, maybe it is, it very well could be again. I think this offense is a bit bland, but it's, it's hard to pinpoint at this point. The Dan Mullen experiment lasted a little bit, but then the, a long-term situation there. And we talked about it with recruiting a little bit earlier too, but you know, what are your thoughts so far on Billy Napier? You know, this is going to be the end of the regular season. You're going to get your first season with him. He's going to make – he's made a bowl game in his first year. What is your just overall feelings on Billy Napier and maybe if you wanted to compare him to Dan Mullen? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a, a lot of emphasis on the areas that Mullen didn't put an emphasis on, I guess. I mean, the recruiting is a great example. And, you know, I think – you know, there's still work to be done there in terms of landing blue chip five-star talent, but 
He's come in and pretty aggressively addressed positions of need that were neglected over the past couple of years um, by the previous coaching staff. Uh, I think he's done a good job of getting higher rated players with the vision of them being depth and down the line starters instead of players that you want to play immediately uh, because there was just no real, I, I think, strategy to the numbers, to the players you were accepting at each position when it came to recruiting in the past. There was just no plan. Uh, and that seems to be in place. Um, it, it'll come down to how they mesh this scheme. And again, I, I think Napier is doing a good job there. I think he's done a good job with instilling um, the need to fight, you know, the need to be there for your teammates and developing people off the field. He's certainly put an emphasis on it. And I think that we're seeing some of the benefits of it, but we all know what matters in, especially in the sec and it's winning games. And we've seen coaches come in before and, 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 and do the nice guy thing. And maybe these being super beneficial for these players in ways that we can never quantify, his $7.5 million a year salary is going to come down to beating Vanderbilt every single year to beating Florida state every year to beating Georgia, you know, not once every five years, it's, that's what it's going to come down to. And, you know, I'm seeing positives in a lot of areas, but I've yet to see it all come together to the point where I believe I can say with confidence that this guy's going to turn it around at this point. You know, I, I, I just don't think I'm at that point. As of now, it looks like the Gators are going to be without star linebacker Ventral Miller for the first half of the game against Florida State after a targeting penalty um, in the loss to Vanderbilt. I know that that's currently under appeal. So I guess what's the latest status, if any, have, have you heard there on an update? And uh, Florida State, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but playing pretty hot offensively, averaging 28.5 points per game in the first half over the last four games. So, you know, how does Florida project to compete with FSU in the first half without Miller in the lineup? Yeah, um, with Miller, they've they've really not been too transparent with it. I think by now we'd have known if they had mm -hmm. ended up going through for the appeal. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I get the feeling they probably won't do that. And I, a lot of people disagreed at the time, but I – personally totally understood why that was called targeting i think it's pretty clear that he lowers his head right before contact and even if it hits that shoulder pad it's you know when you do this it's mm -hmm. it's just what it is um so i i don't think that they're going to be pushing too hard for that and and then yeah you look at again i think this offense is exactly what florida wants to be it's got extremely efficient and dynamic quarterback play it, it's got truthfully a four-man rushing attack florida tried to get that this year they ended up only getting three out of it that were efficient enough to get by but um but fsu's got it in four it's exactly what florida wants you've got legitimate matchup nightmares i mean in 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 johnny wilson i mean we've <laughs> we've asked all these guys this week how are you going to cover them and trey dean a six two safety is just like you know i've never I've never had to do that before. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jason Marshall's same thing. He's like, dude, I'm six foot. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've, I played basketball. Maybe that'll help me a little bit. But I was a guard, so whatever. Um, but there's obviously so much to like, and so much that this FSU defense, or I'm sorry, offense can do to you, to the point where you know you're without not only a player that's been super productive for you, but he's worn the green dot in this defense for three years. 
Um, he's he, he's been through thick and thin with this program, that's for sure. Uh, being here for six seasons now and three different head coaches, uh, he's someone you want on the field in this game. And there are a lot of things that stack up against Florida going into this, and him being sidelined is is certainly near the top of that list. Going on the Gators' offensive side here, obviously you have you have Anthony Richardson. I think that's all that FSU fans think about you know and now hearing some of the wide receiver names it's talked about on twitter so they're doing their homework there but what do you think uf is going to have to do because like you were saying earlier you know florida state has been putting up some points on the board and uh, it's right now it's not an easy team to keep up with and you know mike Norvell is what he's been able to do his first drives has put up points you know F- florida is going to have to score what do you think florida on their side of things is going to have to do after you know up and down inconsistencies in the passing game and then the running game you know that's something that florida has always usually relied on relied on as a physical back we saw it last year too i mean it's what put florida in the chance of beating florida state last year in gainesville what do you think this year going into this with down a few players the wide receiver room what what is it going to take for them to to win on friday night offensively yeah i mean i think you got to stick to your truth I, I think you need to continue to try and run the ball no matter what it, through thick through thin this year it's proven to be effective you know even against georgia for a period of time running the ball worked and allowed florida to get some things done offensively I think they need to be aggressive in terms of trying to get the ball in their hands as much as possible. You know, you win that coin toss, you take the ball. Um, You need to be playing with turnovers in mind on defense to get the ball and then do your job to keep this offense off the field, this Florida state offense off the field. Um, Part of the predictability with Napier is, is if you're ever in a second and long situation, he's not going for first. He's just not, he is always going for the third and shorter. And a lot of times they don't get there. So I, while I say I, I, I'm a believer that you need to stick with your run game, you, you need to do that with that aspect of it in mind is that you need to continue being aggressive on second downs, try and get those first downs. Um, even if it's creative run games, even if, you know, trick plays in the run game, jet sweeps, something just a little different than a predictable route or a predictable run up the middle on second and long, because you're not going to find success that way. You, you need to be aggressive while doing the things you do well and not panicking when you get into a pinch. Cause otherwise, yeah, Florida state's really shown to have no problem running away with games here. Sticking with the offense, I guess what's a key matchup that you're looking at for the Gators against uh, a position group or an individual on Florida State's defense that you think if UF is able to win that matchup on Friday night, it gives them a better chance of being successful and potentially pulling pulling the upset? I've got a very easy answer, and it's Jordan Travis. But it's not necessarily just because of him as a passer. It's, it's because of his threat of r- running the ball. I mean, even like this past weekend, Mike Wright did not pose much of a threat running the ball, but I think Florida put so much of an emphasis on – him potentially doing that because of what we saw against Kentucky that he had no problem throwing the ball, you know, nickel and diming West coast stuff, nothing crazy, but he was able to do that. Uh, So Florida is going to have to be balanced in the way it prepares for Travis because he can do that to you, but he can also run all over you. And it goes back to, I mean, Hendon hooker, not a running quarterback, put up like 113 yards against Florida on the ground in addition to 
whatever he did on the, I think it was like 22 of 28 for 350 in the air or something of the sort. It just went crazy. Um, Eastern Washington quarterback was able to run around a little bit and their offense created 400 yards. Hmm. Um, Jerry Bahannon of UCF or USF, another 100 yard rusher. Jaden Daniels had a fantastic game on the ground and through the air. I mean, you look at all of these quarterbacks that even aren't the most athletic and they can run all over Florida. And then you look at Jordan Travis and you see what he's done all year long. And it's, it's like nightmare fuel. I mean, he's the perfect quarterback to take advantage of what Florida does defensively. They have to be, they have to be on their a game really in, in, in every aspect of their defensive play in order to shut him down and stand a chance whatsoever. You're muted, bud. Every show. <laughs> muted, unmuted. All right. I, here I am. I got to make a, I got to trying to think of something here that I don't know. I'm trying to get some over unders on a few things. Uh, do, do you feel like the spread is accurate enough there? Are you feeling the spread of we've got the game? And I think it just, and I think it just changed actually just about an hour ago. And that's probably because of the wide receiver news. I think it went mm-hmm. to 10 and a half. I did go to 10 and a half. <laughs> are you are you hammering it what are we hammering what do we got i like uh i like florida state covering yeah okay. yeah that's for sure i i just don't even if you are able to have pierce all there i just there's nothing this team has done in any aspect consistently to make me think it could come in and hang with a team like this. That's, that's firing on all cylinders right now. I've just not seen that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them, you... I'll give them some points. Like when I, I'll eventually do a prediction here on uh, probably Friday morning, but mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't comfortably pick them to be in this game from start to finish. I was going to ask too, do you like it that it's a Friday night game? I'm trying to see. Some people are about it. Some people are not. No, man. Trying to enjoy my holidays. <laughs> Trying to rest up after all eating I'm going to be doing Thursday. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. Well, you will be down on the field, though, taking photos. So you'll be walking around. You'll be going from end zone to end zone. So you might be burning off some of those calories. Hopefully. <laughs> you might be. Or Hopefully. whenever you're driving up, though, you're going to be tired. You're going to be fun to fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Like sitting in traffic trying to get out of that stadium afterwards is going to be miserable. Yeah, I was going to ask one last thing, just personnel-wise. Florida State's got another guy again. You know, they had it last year where Jermaine Johnson had to cure Thomas off the side, but this year the main name here is Jared Verse. How do you think UF is going to get here to protect Anthony Richardson as much as they can? How have they looked this season overall? How do you think just that matchup will look with Florida State's defensive end and, you know, bringing back a healthy, you know, Fabian Lovett, who's, you know, looked probably the best – healthiest he's looked in a while you know he's gone through i think a few times just looked quite limited even though he's getting enough reps out there but he looks good what do you think about just the personnel matchup between uf's offensive line versus florida state's defensive line and definitely off the edge yeah i think that could be one of our better matchups of the night in terms of talent versus talent Uh, i'll give florida this much they've done a pretty good job blocking in 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 every aspect this year except for that georgia game um where they created some pressure um Things have been pretty easy for this offensive line, and a lot of that is thanks to Osiris Torrance, the uh, the right guard that transferred from Louisiana. Um, I think he's at 
47 games now without a sack in his career or something outrageous that you just never hear of. Um, and, and at least for going up against interior linemen, you know, I really like that matchup of UF's inside three against a lot of teams. Um, but they've had kind of a rotational thing going on at tackle. They've got three tackles they like quite a bit, um, and they move them between the two spots. But the the unit as a whole has has really not gone up against someone of a Jared versus caliber this year. Um, I, I don't necessarily love the projection of going up against a speed rush, and I think that we've seen that from verse. I think we've seen that out of FSU relatively consistently out of these edge rushers for some time. Um, and that's that's probably one of the areas where Florida struggles the most. And I, I would point really no further than this Georgia game where they're going up against these freak athletes who can just get off the line and, and push you back really without any problem. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it should be a couple of wins going both ways. Uh, it obviously works in Richardson's advantage that he is able to move out of getting himself sacked. You know, he might still scramble himself into a poor decision, but at least that's beneficial to him a bit. But I'm definitely excited to see Verse play. Uh, it'll be my first opportunity to really dive in and, and see what he's about. I do know that over the summer when he was in the portal, there were a lot of Florida fans uh, that wanted him. So I, I would imagine that a lot of Florida fans will have their eyes on him too. Feels like if Florida is going to keep this game close, they're going to have to limit or or stop uh, FSU's rushing attack. Obviously six straight games now with 200 plus yards. Feels like one guy they could use to plug a hole is Desmond Watson at six foot five, four hundred and fifteen pounds. At least that's what he's listed on Florida's online roster. I guess what can you tell us about the big man in the middle and Florida's front seven? Uh, that I believe he's closer to four forty. Man, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a big guy, man. But is he's, a fridge. He is a fun player too. That's the thing is I don't get it. Like I don't know how he does it, but he's playing. 30 plus snaps a lot. It, it's pretty surprising, but they've just, it speaks to the issues they've had with depth throughout the year on the defensive line. Uh, it was a pretty depleted unit before the season even began. Um, Jervon Dexter, um, in a lot of cases, is playing like 60 to 65 snaps per game. And I just don't think that that's something a 6'6, 315 pound defensive lineman should do. Mm. Um, but you know, to that point, it's it's made things pretty easy on opposing rushing offenses. You know, they'll have their moments. Um, that again, that South Carolina game, the the second half against Texas A and M, where they really were able to impose their will defensively. But it's just they don't have the fresh bodies. I don't think they necessarily have the consistency off the edge to make the jobs easier for the interior defensive linemen and, and take some pressure because of you know what they pose a threat as uh, against these offensive tackles. They just, it's not very threatening. All you got to do is kind of dedicate to it and, and trust, you know, your rushing attack that is consistently producing 200 yard games. You know, I don't see any reason why they should fear that not happening against Florida. They just got to stick to it and it should be a pretty easy task to accomplish. I only have one. I said this earlier, but I have one more thing. What is it? Favorite favorite memory? I know there's a lot of FSU fans in here. I know yours will be pro Gators here, but favorite favorite memory, and then also maybe the biggest nightmare player that you hated the most at FSU. So that's the thing is, I've never been a Florida fan. Mm, I don't know if I've told you this before. I'm not. I'm not a Florida fan. Uh, Um. So I 
when I first got into this, I was covering NFL football um, and specifically the Jaguars. Mm. Um, terrible, awful, hated that I did that to myself. <laughs> but um, but, but it you. got – yeah. You made it, it through. You, yeah, and it got you into the draft quite a bit. So, you know, I look back on what I know of this series because, yep. you know, and, and one of my favorite aspects is Dalvin Cook. Whether it's running all over Florida or running all over anyone, man, he was my preferable running back in the 2017 class that Jacksonville or 2018, 2017. Which year was it? 16, 16, 17, 17. 17? Yeah, 17. He was regardless. I was one of those years. I was well into the draft for the Jaguars at that point, and as mm-hmm. a team that's drafting top three every year, you know it all kind of blends together. Um, but loved Dalvin, loved watching what he was able to do against this Florida defense too. It was it was definitely one of my favorite memories from it. Just just watching him. It was 2017, by the way. 2017. That's it. So Dalvin over Leonard. We all come to I an agreement here. I would have. You know, Leonard's a funny guy, but I don't know if he's a. <laughs> If, I don't know if he was the best running back in that class. <laughs> yeah, nah, uh, Leonard's kind of getting put at the RB2 spot right now from a rookie coming in. So I think yeah. it's kind of – and we see Dalvin doing his thing. He's think he's going to keep his starting spot for a little, little while there with Minnesota. D'Lo, you got one more? I would just say, you know, I know the spread is 10.5 right now, but really anything can happen in a rivalry game. So I'm not discrediting Florida or anything coming in despite them being – shorthanded and a way for a team who's undermanned to flip a game is special teams, you know, blocking a kick, returning a punt, something like that. So I guess what can you tell us about Florida's special teams as a whole? Because as for FSU, they've been pretty consistent for the most part uh, on most of their units. Yeah, Florida's not. Um, <laughs> they've, they've been pretty bad. Um it's it's seriously. I mean, it started to lead to questions about how the whole operation goes about. You know, they don't have a special teams coordinator. They have uh, an analyst off field yeah. that runs special teams. And you know, I I understand the benefits of a second offensive line coach, for example, or what they're trying to do with this staff structure. But you need someone on the field that can coach special teams, and that guy's not. A, allowed to do very much in his role. He's mm-hmm. not allowed to coach, especially in games. So they've like, they split that into a bunch of moving parts across the staff. And I think the results speak for themselves. You know, maybe I, maybe I can eat crow a year from now. The coaches all have a feeling as to how the system operates, but I mean, I think they're 66.7 on field goals this year. And not to mention that lone field goal kicker missed his first extra point of the year in this Vanderbilt loss. Uh, one of the biggest plays of the game was a muffed punt because they were down to their third punt returner. Um, their punt returns in general, I think they have three or four muffs this year. Um, returns really have not been anything special. Coverage units, I guess, have been fine. Um, which, if they weren't, it's just you know that's literally everything at that point. You know, it's it, it's to put it nicely, it is not an area that Florida can depend on to produce when they needed to. Sounds like Florida State last year. You know, I remember FSU coming into Gainesville about to get a punt in the third quarter and muffed Florida got and I think turned it into a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, this year, has been, I will say this year has been night and day. So who knows with another offseason under Napier. Yeah, maybe Tom. It's, it's interesting. That's for sure. 
Yeah, Tom's bringing up a good point here. Yeah, Zach, you sound like us from the last six years. So yeah, <laughs> you might be I mean, like, you know, Florida fans are are loud. You know, I, I don't want to say they deserve to, to, to feel like Florida State fans yet, but there's a there's room for balance in the big three, in my opinion. You know, we all everyone's got to experience a little bit of highs and lows, and this is certainly low for Florida right now. I, I think Wit on here on YouTube is now expecting you to be a part of Hear the Spear. So I guess since they found out you're not a Gator fan, you're now going to be a part of Hear the Spear. Go here. down but two no. more comments. Hey, I, I got uh, you they, uh, there, there we go. Hey, always beefing <laughs> up. We need a hey, Zach. I was about to say too before let it go. Zach does a great job. I know at a Gator site, but throughout this off season and going into next season, I highly suggest you guys go check out their content. They do a great job on our network. Phenomenal job. And you're going to want to stay tuned to them because once we go into recruiting, I mean, it's, we got a busy next couple months ahead, definitely with signing day, early signing day coming up. So uh, Zach does a fantastic job and their team does great. So um, always good to have him on here. We're trying to maybe link up a Miami FSU Gators podcast to maybe for before early signing day. Cause there's a lot of discussions. Definitely. If Dion ends up getting that USF job, it is going to switch up a few things on the recruiting trail here in the state of Florida. So, um, but Zach, appreciate you, man. Safe travels. Hopefully we'll be able to link up down on the field. Uh, but great, great analysis as always super happy to, have your time to come on here before Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you guys soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Zach. Really brother. appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Good stuff there from Zach. Great. They, like I said, they do a great job over there. So happy to have him on um, just really good analysis. And, you know, I, I think he's in a, we'll see. I'm going to get the score prediction away yet, but you could tell that his piece on Friday is going to go in the favor of Florida State, it seems like. You could also tell he wasn't a Florida fan because he wasn't loud and abrasive. So. Loud and abrasive? <laughs> Man. <laughs> they like that. They, they, they like that. Hey, that's just that's the network, man. The network, they brought on some really good people, including you know, these guys right here, man. These guys right here, they, they did a good job. But, yeah, Zach's great. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Let's start jumping into things, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Florida State and Tony Tokars, Magner Vell, get the flip. They get the flip. They get their quarterback in the 2023 class. We've been talking about it for a little while now, and something that was much needed. Florida State gets Brock Glenn flip from Ohio State to the Florida State Seminoles. Had previously visited Magner Vell not too long ago. His senior season is over there, and – there was some focus and seemed like Florida State did what they needed to do to land him. D. Lou, thoughts on this pickup here? You know, this was very much needed. And, you know, we'll talk about it once the season ends. We'll figure out if Jordan Travis is gone or not. But you got to have another quarterback in this room. Been waiting on this one. Kind of we're expecting it to go down on Friday and then it got postponed to Monday. And, of course, the announcement becomes official whenever I'm out getting some Japanese food so that, that was a fun thing and I'm in the shower I'm in the yeah. shower too just everything. of course yeah so that was a that was a fun fun time getting the post out and everything but <laughs> regardless Florida State gets their quarterback it's been a little bit now you know dating back to the summer you had Chris Parson committed then he eventually backed off Florida State was in uh, hot pursuit of Ricky Collins as well as Brock Glenn hosted them both for official visits Collins ends up flipping from Purdue to LSU and then Florida State was right in it with Glenn down to his decision timeline when Ohio State 
gave him that green light. And I don't think anyone can blame him for going ahead with the Buckeyes. They were the more stable um, destination at that point. But Glenn saw what Florida State has been able to put on the field this year. Obviously, it looks like Mike Norvell and this coaching staff are going to be in Tallahassee for you know now the extended future with a season as successful as this. So now there's there's some comfortability with pledging his future to play under Norvell in Tallahassee. And I think he also sees maybe a faster track to potential playing time than he would have had in Columbus. They've got some really talented guys waiting in the wings right now, some guys committed um, in future classes. So Florida State gets their quarterback, a guy who runs kind of a similar offense to FSU in high school right now and is familiar with some of the terms that FSU runs. Um, coaching staff, you know, stayed in pursuit, and I think that really impressed uh, Brock just with, you know, how they continued to make him a priority despite him being committed to another program, like you noted, it was a quarterback's coach, Tony Tokars, who went up to Tennessee earlier this season on one of Florida State's bye weeks to check in with Brock and see how things were going. And, I mean, it just kind of transpired from there, and he finally felt comfortable enough to make that flip. He'll actually be here on Friday night for the FSU-Florida game, his, his first game day visit to Tallahassee this year and his first visit to FSU as a commitment. And it should be fun to have him and Hakeem Williams – all in town, but this is huge um, for FSU. Like you say, you don't really know right now what Jordan is going to do, and if he does decide to declare for the NFL draft, I'll just leave you with A.J. Duffy and, and Tate Rodemaker on the roster under scholarship right now at quarterback. So it's important to get Glenn in there and have another guy to compete in that room and potentially be a signal caller of the future. And, and even if Travis comes back, you need him, someone more than three people. Because um, we talked about coming to the season, how we were really worried about the depth at quarterback. If something were to happen to Travis, thankfully he's been healthy for the most part. Um, and even when he went down, Rodemaker played really well. Um, you needed another body in there, whether it was a transfer, whether it was uh, whether it was a recruit in this class. It was something that had to happen. And can we can we chill on the me and Zach could be related stuff? Like, can we stop? First the of all, the, gen- the, first the gender of all, comments. I'm, I'm not redheaded. I'm, I'm a dirty blonde. <laughs> I'm not. I have red facial hair. That's it. Um, hey, I Carol, just just Carol, because though. just be, just because we are both Caucasians that spent time in Jacksonville, Florida means nothing. Okay, <laughs> let's, just, let's let this die right now. <laughs> hey, Miss Carol, though, giving you some compliments on the fit. Though. I, I like the I know, fit. We I know got y'all the see the hat. Oh my god, the hat. The hat's clean. The hat's clean. Dustin doesn't even know what color is. So shout out to my local vintage shop. I was damning them about something else, and they're like, "Hey, we just got this hat in. If you want it." I'm like, "Sure." Damn, that looks like almost like what Chris Parson was wearing. That kind of same fit he had in some of those recruiting pictures he took at Florida State. I got to be honest with you. Stole his jacket. Wow. He did. He did end up getting it from him. No, I I do want that jacket. I want that jacket so bad. Like, y'all have no idea how much I want that jacket. It's probably it is clean. Uh, but yeah, no, my last comment here, you know, Florida State with the product that they're putting out on the field, that helps. But watch that offensive line and what they've been able to do and what Coach Atkins is bringing in and the depth and talent that that's going to help. And we, we talked about this whole offseason. You've seen improvement on the offensive line. Quarterback eyes will start attracting towards it. And so uh, this program right now is doing a good job there. And you've already got Hakeem Williams in the fold, a talented, very talented wide receiver who has the potential to be a, a starter pretty early Florida State, you know, that wide receiver room nonetheless looks sexy if you're a quarterback. And, you know, it's hard to hard to overlook it, though, with Rodden Dugans in the camp that he 
the production that is flipped from last year to this year, and then you get another year of that. You bring back Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, the names go on, My, uh, Malik McLean, Ja'Kai Douglas. I mean, if you're a quarterback, like, and then you already got a running back room right now that if you just don't feel like throwing it that day, here you go. Do what you want to do with it. If Trey Benson comes back, you got Trey Sean Ward, um, you know, Lawrence of Philly, Ronnie Hill. You know, it's just – an attractive side of the ball that a quarterback's eyes are, you know, going to look at if you're a recruit right now. I think you've got to give some credit to Tokars here. And then, you know, we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago or last month, maybe about Hakeem Williams kind of starting to develop into that bell cow for Florida state, doing some work on Cedric Baxter, doing some work on Edwin Joseph. You know, we all remember Joseph actually traveled up with Hakeem for an unofficial visit uh, for the Clemson game. And then now with this one, you know, from what I was told, Hakeem Williams and Brock have been in communication for the last couple of weeks. So another one right here where the five-star wide receiver did his job and, you know, got his future quarterback to Tallahassee. Um, and, yeah, you know, this should be a fun one. It's actually funny, you know, thinking back to the summer, I got a chance to go up to Nashville for the Elite 11 regional event up there at the time going to watch Chris Parson who was committed to Florida State competing the event and one of the other quarterbacks competing that day, Brock Glenn. And Glenn was one of three quarterback <clears throat> one of three quarterbacks to earn an invitation to the Elite Eleven finals that day. So it's just kind of funny to see it all come a little bit full full circle. And, you know, as it ends up, Florida State, they get another four star quarterback out of Tennessee on the commitment list. And it seems like Brock is going to be a good one for Florida State, a lot of potential around this kid, not only as a thrower, but also as a scram scrambler too. So I think he fits into Mike Norvell's offense with what they want to do of having a quarterback who can also move. Hakeem Williams posted after that commitment, he shared the post of Brock Glenn's on Instagram saying, not done yet, said Hakeem Williams. Now Brock Glenn will go in and help put on the recruiting hat for Florida State, which will be fun to watch also. You always want to have your quarterback going after some targets, so it's nice to have quarterback now in that 2023 class, the only one. We'll see what ends up going on this offseason if they want to bring in a transfer quarterback or not, but you know we have a big-time discussion after this upcoming weekend on the future of Jordan Travis and if he ends up coming back. There's a lot, and a lot of other guys, too, Trey Bentz. I mean, there's a – massive discussion and it's not where it's like in previous years where okay yeah i don't see where florida state can fight for an acc championship or you know fight for a college football playoff berth uh you know new Year's six bowl you know mike norvell and this staff can and now with nil yep can keep a lot of this pretty yeah with nil it helps a lot but you can bring back a lot of that production from this year and get another year into it there's a big discussion that we'll be having after this weekend's game against UF. Uh, let's jump into speaking of college football playoffs here. And, you know, it seems it's now playoff? a weekly thing. College football playoff rankings. It's college football playoff rankings. Playoffs? Hey, that would be fun to go cover a game. Wouldn't it? That'd be a good time. Or even, you know, an orange ball wouldn't be nice, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. But yeah, Florida State. Moves up three spots this week on Tuesday night. Goes from 19 to 16. Uh, North Carolina now one spot below them, which I think is very much worth mentioning here. A lot of conversations on Twitter for Florida State fans on trying to get into a New Year's, a New Year's Six Bowl. 
game. Could could Florida State get into the Orange Bowl now? Now with North Carolina blowing that game, I mean, wow. I, I can't believe they lost that one. But Florida State now, now the second-highest-ranked team in the ACC. You know, Clemson's trying to jump in there. They'll have an ACC championship game to play on. And then you look at South Carolina, too, coming off of a big win against Tennessee. If Clemson can beat South Carolina, that helps, you know, their resume just a little bit there. And the conversation just begins. Florida State, you know, there's a lot of different things here. But And also, you look at LSU, now the one team right outside of the college football playoff. This is going to be a fun next couple of weeks, guys. It's unlikely at this time. You know, I just have a hard time seeing Clemson sneaking into the playoff, and that's really, at this point, what it's going to take for Florida State to have any chance of earning an invitation to the Orange Bowl. They would they would need Clemson to make the playoff, and then they would need to be the second-highest-ranked team in the conference. So, I mean, right now it's in play, but there's a couple teams ahead of the Tigers that would need to lose, and, you know, you would also need Clemson to probably blow out South Carolina – this weekend win pretty convincingly um, in the ACC championship as well, because they just didn't dominate Miami like they probably should have throughout the course of that game. And I think that hurt them a little bit this week when the playoff rankings um, came out. So, I mean, there's an opportunity there, but it's going to take something unlikely to spring Florida state to the orange bowl, unfortunately. But I mean, there are still a lot of other really nice postseason destinations on the table. It also depends on what happens in the Notre Dame game. Obviously, they've got a very tough matchup against USC this weekend. Um, but, you know, bowl committees can look at Notre Dame and choose them over an ACC program if they want to. So you got to hope that they lose to USC as well. And then, you know, Florida State still needs some help above them. They need some other teams to lose. Tennessee probably needs to lose to Vanderbilt. Washington probably needs to lose to Washington State. Kansas State probably needs to lose to Kansas. There's some other things that needs to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it, w- it would definitely be fun. Florida State, though, projected in a lot of bowls right now and definitely with some big names. D'Lo, you had dropped a piece this week on that, and there wasn't even a name of Texas, which now sign me up for that. I would not be opposed to that of Florida State facing Texas. Of course, there's some other locations across the country. It's a lot of holiday bowls in San Diego going on with some names there. What are some of the names, at least this week, that have popped up with some of the bowl names, D'Lou? Dude, you're few. the one that wrote this down the docket. You're supposed to pull this up. I don't remember. I I got I got a few of them. I mean, I didn't pull that up ball? at all. I don't know. I, I yeah. saw Oklahoma State. I, 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 I know. wrote it. I wrote it, but I don't remember. I write a lot of stuff, buddy. I know you don't, but I write a lot of stuff. But anyway, my job. one of them, job. FSU, FSU versus Texas in the uh, cheez Bowl in Orlando. Ooh. I think the, the majority of the projections, we had nine different ones in the article, were FSU to play in the San Diego Credit Union Bowl. Um, and I think Washington, Oregon, and Utah were a couple of different Pac-12 teams put in there. The Gator Bowl, FSU versus Kentucky, which I I don't know if Kentucky would be in line for that prestigious of a bowl right now with the way that they've fallen off of the second half of the season. It'll just depend. I mean, there are a lot of options on the table. I think, you know, this isn't something that Florida State fans have experienced the last couple of years, but there are different bowls out there that are going to bid and extend invitations for Florida State, and and we'll see. Uh, The Seminoles are going to get the luxury of – choice i feel like when it comes to bowl selection this year especially if they beat florida 
in a convincing fashion. You know, the Gator Bowl, the Cheez-It Bowl make a lot of sense being both here in the state of Florida and probably sell a ton of tickets with the way that Florida State has closed out the 2022 campaign and this being the first bowl game for the program since 2019. So they're going to be an attractive team when it, when it comes to bowl season. I'd like a good game in Florida. I don't want to travel too far. I don't think Florida State fans want to travel too far either. Um, but, you know, you got one here, Cheese at Bowl in Orlando. That would be projected against Oklahoma. Another big name there that I don't think Florida State fans would be too much against. That'd be a fun one. In some sense, but Oklahoma hasn't been that good this year. Like they're they're what six and five or seven and four right now. I'm impressed. I'd rather have Texas just because yeah. it's, it's just a two name. two premier oh, brands yeah. in college football. Yeah, te- Texas will be fun. Oh. I'd love to get one back at Oregon. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. say either of those two. I'd I'd be a fan of. So the potential opponents that we've got here in the article, we've got Utah, Purdue, Oklahoma, oh. Kentucky, Utah again, Purdue again. Oregon and Texas. If we end up with Purdue, yeah, get me out. I'm, I was going to bring I'm, that up. Get me out. Be the worst bowl. <laughs> get me out immediately. It'd be a win, though, right? Me I mean, would yeah, you, I mean, would you oh, prefer yeah, to have a, an interesting game or a ten-win season? A, an interesting game where Penn State loses or a ten-win season? Oh, interesting well, game only because we already got more out of this season than I expect than we all expected. Really, I, yeah. I want a good, I want a good, interesting game against another national brand that puts Florida State in that spotlight. Playing Purdue is and not going to do that. Playing Kentucky is not going to do that. I think it'd be it'll definitely be a closer game. I think it'd be a closer game. But that's why I would say give me Oklahoma. You get the big game. Or now you, you don't get the big – it is a big name game. You get the big name game. But you boat race them, you obliterate them, and you get your 10th win – I think Texas is even better for that spot. Yeah, Texas is. A oh, that'll be that'll be a closer Oklahoma. game. That'll be that'll and, be a closer game. Oklahoma is six and five going on the road to play Texas Tech this weekend. That's not a gimme. Like I don't want to play a six and six team in a bowl game. <sighs> yeah, but I'm saying if you were to play one of those. nine and three. Yeah, I just I just want to I want a good game. I, I honestly don't want to blow it. I want a good game against the national brand. I think that's going to help Florida State. Well, the there most. you are. There's Stan for you right now. He's giving it to you. Well, honestly, honestly, he wants Bama. In, in five or six months, when people are looking back at Florida State's 2022 season, they wouldn't remember Purdue. They wouldn't remember Oklahoma. They'd just be like, oh, ten, they'd see 10 and 3. Yeah, but if you're 10 and 3 with a winning no, Texas. No, you beat Oklahoma. Yeah, no. You'd remember it. You'd remember it. What's your revenge after 2011? What's your revenge? And you beat Venables, too. You can finally do that for once. Sorry. Uh, all right, let's jump. That was kind of messed Hopefully. up. All right. <laughs> Shush. See now. Yeah, look at that. Uh, let's do this quickly. There was not much worth noting on. We don't even really t- need to talk about practice as much more of who's going to be available this week. Uh, competitive practice, nothing too special. Uh, you know, I thought on Wednesday, Jordan Travis uh, looked sharp there, man. He, he said that he does feel extremely healthy. I don't know why he gets asked this every time that we talk to him. He is healthy. There's no reason for him not to be healthy. He's rested about five quarters in the last two games. I think he's I think he's rather healthy. Um, but yeah, he said he feels good. He's ready to go. Jared Verse told us that he doesn't want to talk too much. He's just ready to go on Friday night. 
And then we talked with Norvell availability for Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson full go for those guys. The only reason we brought up Johnny Wilson and the beat brought him up is because he only played for six snaps against Louisiana. It seemed like he might've been limited for that game. Uh, then also on Micah Pittman's side of things, we saw Micah Pittman go down early against Louisiana. Got a kind of a weird hit there near the hip, low thigh kind of area there. Um, you know, we got to see him practice. Looked like to be a full go to us. Had some nice plays with Jordan Travis on Tuesday and Wednesday. So both of your big time production guys on the wide receiver side of things are going to be available against UF. And like Zach was telling us earlier, you know, Johnny Wilson might be a major threat to you to UF's defensive back room. It's good news. And Norvell even said it um, after Tuesday's practice that he expects both of those guys to suit up on Friday night against Florida. Um, we kind of debated it a little bit on the postgame podcast, like whether it was just because of the situation or if something happened. It seems like a little bit of the latter, where Florida State was up so much on a overmatched Louisiana team that they decided to rest some of their top weapons. I mean, we saw Jordan Travis didn't even take a snap that entire second half. So Florida State, they kind of had the luxury of giving guys a little bit of a break there, and now everyone should be a full go on Friday night against Florida, um, FSU, you know, we'll see if Micah Pittman is back there returning punts, but he's definitely going to be available to catch and passes. I, I know we saw Jamie Robinson and Trey Benson field the majority of punts um, during the open part of practice this week. So we'll just kind of see how it plays out from there. But anyway, huge news, especially just to have Wilson back. I know he didn't make a catch last week, but this feels like a game, you know, we think back to, or at least I think back to, Kelvin Benjamin's breakout game in the swamp where he was catching balls downfield and just breaking four tackles to the end zone. I could see Johnny Wilson, another really big receiver, having some plays like that on Friday night against a Florida defense that has really struggled at times this year. Mm -hmm. A lot of inconsistencies there for UF's defense. A lot of them there. Anything else worth noting coming out of practice this week, Dilo? This felt like just a very focused team man uh nothing really coming out of this this is a healthy healthy florida state team coming in this game yeah i mean nothing when is the last time we've been able to say that where it's consecutive weeks like this it, it is it is nice and in november man i, I don't know guys i mean that, that's just crazy I'm not used to not used to this i would say the one thing from this week if i had to think of something i you know oh, i know it's kind of what's coming what are you going to say? You have no idea what's coming. But you know, outside of the intensity and focus, which I agree, you know, the team, the, the team, it just feels like the maturation over the last couple of years, the way that they prepare during the week where there's really no screwing around. It's a lot of focus, but they also have fun at the same time. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just been really impressive to watch their level of preparation throughout the regular season, no matter the opponent and no matter if it's a shorthanded week um, like this one. But for this week, one guy that really stood out to me, um, and it, it kind of surprises me because I was really down on him a, a month or six weeks ago. Greedy Vance Jr. feels like this guy has begun to come into his own the last couple of games, and, you know, he's carrying that into practice, just a constant turnover machine out there, no matter if it's against a scout team or the first-team defense. He's really hit a rhythm as of late, and I'll be honest, I was about done with Greedy Vance whenever he got mossed against Wake Forest and – to start off the month of October, but he's really turned it around here and it's, it's been impressive to see. 
So it's amazing what confidence will do for you. I mean, he's had some interceptions these last few games, and, you know, he seems to be carrying that into each new week. And, you know, Florida, Florida State needs some consistent secondary play. And, you know, Especially someone stepping up. Yeah, it's good that someone's stepping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I asked Adam Fuller about Gritty Vance's, you know, that growth that he's made since the very beginning of the season, going even into camp, too, where we were talking, you know, this is a guy that had a lot of work to do. And, you know, he's getting beat on balls and getting beat on routes. And then, just experience, man. That's all Adam Fuller said. Experience and consistency and, and seeing a guy that has grown confidence. And, you know, it's fun. And it's fun covering Greedy Vance. A good, good kid. Uh, and he's got a big game coming up this weekend, too. And uh, uh, that's, that's kind of the theme there. And you got, you know what you got there with, with Renardo Green. And you're still trying to have a purifier other corner on the other side. But inside that nickel position alongside Kevin Knowles, it's been good to see Greedy Vance take those strides. Let's jump into this UF versus FSU game preview. Gentlemen, Zach gave us some good insight earlier on UF side of things, but Florida State right now leading off here. Healthy team coming in. Jordan Travis was able to get some rest. All of that second half there, it's been nice to see him actually have his baseball cap on the sidelines, and that's kind of been the case for a lot of starters all throughout. You see on the defensive line where Robert Cooper, Fabian Lovett getting rest too. Um, All guys that go this upcoming Friday night, it's going to be fun, man. I kind of hope this is going to be a game, but on the other side of things, Florida State has a chance to put up points to where Florida can't keep up. And, you know, I talked with Zach about it, and this team with UF will fight. They will fight in that third and fourth quarter, but at some point you can really put your foot on their neck and say bye-bye quickly if they want to. This is a home game for Florida State. Night game has already been sold out since the offseason uh, it's going to be a rowdy Doe Campbell Stadium on Friday night, guys. I'm excited to be down there to cover it. I, I for one, actually like that the game is on Friday. And I feel like I'm alone with this. I like I, it. Honestly, I, at first, like, like I said with the bowl game, you're putting yourself on a spotlight where it's, you're going to be the only game on. It's not mm-hmm. like you're competing with Auburn, Alabama, and Notre Dame, USC, and Michigan, and Ohio State, or whatever time they put the game, they were going to put the game out on Saturday. It's the only game on. You have a chance to go and prove yourself with millions of people watching um, against a team that's had your number in the last few years. I, I I really like it, honestly. Yeah, I don't mind it. I get it, but as someone who's you know in in tap in the recruiting scene, having a game on a Friday night, especially right now, you're limiting the potential to get some recruits in the stands. Guys who are in the playoffs, you know, a, a Cedric Baxter Jr. He's got a game on Friday night. Edwin Joseph, he's got a game on Friday night. A couple guys in town who have offers in the 2024 class, Ashton Hampton, Makai Danzi, they've got games on Friday night. So, you know, and especially earlier this season, you already played on a Friday against Louisville. So just a a little bit of limiting opportunities there is just kind of how I see it. But I do understand getting a lot of eyes on you on the national scene. So a little bit of push and pull. Plus, I have to miss the playoff game I was going to go to on Friday night now. Oh no! Oh, that could be crazy. Or I'll go to that, what, not the UF game. What do you think? What, what game is it? Oh god, they're no, facing it, like third graders. It's a private. No, we'll get, it's, a private third, it's the third round now. Okay, who's playing? They they literally fit when I, he sent me a video. They were facing like fourth graders out there. That was it's not uh, it's Fort High versus uh, which Christian? Oh, okay. I don't know. That might get interesting. It's Camden Friars Old High School. Mm, we're, oh, he's at Columbia now. Good to know. Super excited about Camden Fryer. Anyways, uh, going into Friday night, 
Uh, you know, uh, Zach was saying it earlier and heard a few people across the UFB say, you know, the, the threat here big time is Jordan Travis and what he's going to do. What, what could he, you know, he's elusive guy. He can use his legs and such. I'm looking at Florida state's defense on this one. Um, I, w- I want to see some dominant play. And I, I got to give some credit here to Adam Fuller. He, for some reason, doesn't get a lot. I know he's kind of trending upwards in the Florida state fan base, but you know what he's been able to put together. And I understand the opponents that he's going against, but still to limit that much and go on a streak like that, where you're not allowing a touchdown for that long, 11 quarters, right? D Lou it was, I mean, that's, that's damn impressive. You're not allowing explosive plays. Florida state hasn't done that all season. Uh, It's going to be a fun discussion after the season to see how Adam Fuller ranks out of a lot of the assistance this year on defensive side, he's just done a really nice job. I, I just want to see, I, I just keep on hearing Anthony Richardson. And I think that's just the only name that maybe FSU fans are worried about. I just, what Kalen Deloach and the package that they had together against Malik Cunningham, I thought was good. You know, there was multiple times where he should have came over with tackles there and that would have ruined drives for Malik Cunningham. There, there's ways that Florida state has done a good job with, quarterbacks that can move around and i understand maybe if you go to syracuse you look at garrett schrader last year he was able to move around but this year couldn't do anything and you could talk about if he was fully healthy or not blah 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 but he he just either way you know florida state has done a good job against guys with some legs and i want to see that come into fruition on friday night if they can and with j-rob coming down a little bit more with jamie robinson i've liked the way that Adam Fuller has brought him down uh, really starting in that Miami game. He, he's just so good in the run, run defense. And uh, I really like that there. And Shaheen Brown, it's just, uh, it's worked out very well right now. And that defense is clicking and it's clicking at the right time. It's going to be a challenge for Florida State. They did have some early struggles with scrambling quarterbacks. Malik Cunningham was able to get 127 yards and two touchdowns. Jaden Daniels was able to get over 100 yards, but if you think back, that was when Jared Verse had gotten injured, at least against Louisville in that first half. That was without Fabian Lovett. So now, especially now, you know, you've got those guys back. The Florida State defense is essentially fully healthy at the moment and firing all cylinders and has been just as instrumental, if not more so, than the offense when it comes to how Florida State has really blown out these last four teams that they played, you know, under – under 130 total yards of offense and three points allowed in all four of those games in the first half to really spring FSU out to some huge leads where they can just throw in the reserves in the second half and ride out the rest of the clock. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting because Florida's, Florida definitely presents a matchup problem with Richardson. I'm I'm really interested to see how it plays out, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 230-pound quarterback. Um, he's gonna get he's gonna get his a couple times, but I think Florida State can also have some success here. And you can point to the rhythm that they're in and the injuries on Florida's offense at wide receiver as some reasons where they may very well just shut the Gators down. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but you've got to feel good with the direction that these two teams are trending right now. Florida State definitely the hotter team. And we we touched earlier on how this is the healthiest team. That we've seen in November a long time. And part of it is because the team's only playing a half. You know, they're getting their work done and they're in, in and out. You know, it's it's one thing to be healthy in November when you're still playing four quarters. But for the last four games, they've been playing two and a half quarters each game. 
I'm just trying to find what how UF's going to score in this game. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to have to be explosive plays, just like Zach talked about earlier on the show. They're going to have to have explosive plays, but look at Florida State's defense. They've been one of the best, if not the best, in the country of not allowing those to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, understand you see Anthony Richardson break some open and all that kind of stuff, but Florida State has done a really good job of being assignment and being really disciplined on that side of the ball and I don't know. I, I just if that's going to be the way. Then good luck. And you know, and that's Florida State. Go ahead and try that. I think that's what's going to go on the defensive side. But if Florida State isn't able to get anything offensively in the passing game, and that's not been consistent this year for UF, then why would it be on Friday night against Florida State? I, I, this doesn't make sense for that to happen. And if they're going to try to get the running game going, that it, it's been not great either. Going back from last year, where they relied heavily on that in this matchup against FSU. And I think Florida State's, you're bringing back uh, a well-experienced linebacker room, Kalen Deloach, and then you brought in Tatum Bethune, who has been a great addition to that defense in that second level. Um, and then Brandon Gant, too, man. What, what, what a storyline for him. A guy that ha- changed his number and was really on special teams, now being a special team star, but then going into the linebacker position has looked really nice, too. It's just... And then Gainer, too, you know, is having some good strides whenever he's in there to give some uh, rest time to the starters. It's yeah, it's going to be a big game for the linebacker room, but I'm not I'm not looking at Randy Shannon's groove and be like, oh, man, this is going to be a trek for for them to face Richardson. I think they've got a good game plan ahead of them. And they have, I don't know. Maybe this sounds stupid, but I think the key or maybe the plan for Florida should be not to push big plays you know they're so overmatched on this game um defensively you know it feels like Florida State is going to be able to do whatever they want as long as they come out and don't you know turn the ball over or do something very very stupid they should be able to score against this Gators defense but on the flip side what Florida has done the best is run the ball they have two running backs that are averaging over five yards a carry Richardson you know he's got tied for the team lead with nine touchdowns averaging over six yards a carry if I'm Florida I'm doing and like what Zach said whenever he was on the podcast, I'm pounding the ball and just trying to chew up clock, get long drives on the ground. It's going to be tough against Florida State's defense, and they're going to be able to stack the box because they know Florida is limited with wide receivers. Yeah. But I mean, maybe they do enough to keep it an interesting game. You know, it, it's a little bit far fetched because Florida's definitely overmatched. I'm just kind of brainstorming here to kind of see how we can keep it a game for as long as possible. But. You know, it, it's it's a possibility. But that just goes back to Florida State and how healthy they are to have basically everybody on the two deep right now um, available defensively. And, and, guys, can we just think back to the end of September, maybe the middle of October, when Florida, Florida State fans were freaking out about the amount of injuries and, and they're like, wow, Florida State's suffering so many injuries and missing so many guys. And now they're healthy at the right time with the season coming to a close. It, it sucks that all the injuries had to come at one time in, in a stretch of games that were pretty important for the season. I mean, Clemson, Wake Forest, NC State, those were arguably your three biggest games coming this season besides Florida, Miami, and LSU, but you can make the mm-hmm. argument. Um, so, yeah, people are going to freak out a little bit when you're missing Fabian Lovett. You're not sure about Jordan Travis because he goes down in the Louisville game. There's all these little things that, you know, fans are freaking out about, but at, at least the team's healthy. They're playing well. And then I think the biggest thing is they enjoy playing together. You know, it's a team that wants to play for each other. We haven't really seen that in the past, and I think that's that's a big thing that Norvell's done with this team. Doing a lot of accountability 
And I think yeah. my last thing on this game to discipline, we saw that and it was easy to tell, you know, Span had his thing there that got corrected pretty quickly, but discipline penalties, this will be huge too. And not, fallen for any of the the traps there that maybe Florida can bring. I saw Miami, you know, chirping there with Jerry and Jones. They were coming at him and a few other players too. But I I just love seeing some of the Florida State players just walk right by him. I listen to it. That's something we haven't seen in a long time, guys. You know, they'll fall into that trap and then there'll be scuffles and there'll be, you know, penalties. Florida State and what Mike Norvell has been able to do with the discipline and the maturity of building this team in the locker room has been big, and it comes down to be crucial in rivalry games like this. It's humongous, humongous, big-time yards and can change drives and, and put up put up points, man. Florida State, I thought I really liked how they went into, into Miami and the way they came out. That was a business trip for them. There won't be no trip on Friday night, but – this will be a business game for them. And I'm looking at them to play disciplined ball like they've been playing throughout the season. It's not only a, a big game, a business game, but it's really a revenge game for Florida State. Because thinking back to last year, going to the Swamp, a chance for FSU five and six, five and six at the time, a chance for FSU to gain bowl eligibility against a Florida team who had an interim head coach after letting go of Dan Mullen just a week or so previously and instead you know I know Jordan Travis he was limited with the shoulder injury that he suffered on FSU's first drive but three turnovers in that game mentioned it whenever Zach was on here but a muffed punt that led to a four to touchdown nine penalties for 89 yards um, an onside kick at the end that the kicker missed and the wind blew off the tee so Florida State they really screwed themselves last year in Gainesville with an opportunity they should have already broken the uh, you know not getting back to a bowl streak that should have happened a year ago so I think Friday night it's as much as a revenge game as it is a big game for Florida State and I mentioned it but we've seen the maturation from this team and I feel like they're going to come out and be really ready to go for this one they won't want back because you can make the argument that if Travis plays that whole game Florida State wins the game last year um, he's he's got something to prove really all the guys that are on that team have something to prove but I think Norvell has something to prove too um with the, with the way that game went, they want this game badly. It's not just the fact that it's Florida and it's, you know, there's recruiting things going into it. They just want, they just want to beat them down. Like they've been beating every team down the last half of the season. Anything else guys, before we jump into score predictions? I guess not. Looks to be that way. I can't tell from anybody just looking at me, just, just looking at me. I mean, that's, that's just the way it goes here. Uh, but before we jump into score predictions, we've been talking about it all throughout the season, but we've landed one. It was UF week. We have a sponsor on the show, and I think a lot of people in here are definitely VZ excited about it. But, you know, I got to get VZ's takes, too, because this guy shops over there, from what I heard, quite a bit whenever he comes into town. But our sponsor for the show tonight and before – the rest of a good long while here is Alumni Hall, a great retail store here in Tallahassee that gets you covered on all Florida State gear. And we actually have a discount for you guys that you will be able to use on the show. It'll just be for you guys. Um, it will run all the way through December 24th, the day before Christmas. You can use code SPEAR HOLIDAY and you will receive a nice, a nice discount there from our friends over there on Alumni Hall. Uh, and it will be 15% off. I'll bring up a graphic right here for you guys. 
Uh, they have all kinds of good stuff. You know, I know VZ, you've been there quite a bit, right? Went there all the time when I, when I was at college. Lo- love alumni hall. Great people over there. They are great people. They reached out to us. We wanted to partner up, and this feels perfect and niche. And our our community and our listeners, I know, would deeply, deeply uh, enjoy using this. So the code is SPEAR. Holiday, it's all one word. You can put it in full caps, too. I also want to note also, if you're an FSU student, uh, faculty, or in the military, you can get 10% off any order online, in-store. Either way, you get 10% off on any kind of shopping you do there. So you could go in there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you can use your discount code. It's not a monthly thing. You can use it on every purchase. So uh, a really great deal there for them. But if you're on our podcast right now, listening or watching, use the code SPEAR HOLIDAY for an additional 15% off. They have drinkware, wall art. I might need to upgrade. I'm about to be moving, so I might have to go buy alumni and get some stuff. Hats, everything. What, what have you gotten there, VZ? What have you gotten? Man, everything. Because they were, they were at the forefront of stocking basketball clothing. It's like they had the Boom Squad shirts before everyone else did. They got a lot of the jerseys before everyone else did. So a lot of my basketball clothing came from them if I didn't get it from the team when I was working with the team. You know, yeah. lanyards, license plates, stickers, you you name it, I've gotten something from there. Yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, plaza, too, there. If you like Four Rivers, I got Four Rivers over there, too. It's just a yeah, great shopping get, area. Yeah, get you some Four Rivers. Oh, there's nothing wrong with Little Four Rivers Stop right across. One, 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 one plug at a time, guys. They're not a sponsor. Yet. Listen, I don't right, care. A great barbecue spot. I'll say it for free. A great, a great barbecue. Let's just get the whole plaza involved there. I think they got Lululemon there too. You know, it just is what it is. I know Tom's bringing up a good point here. Where's the meet and greet? So we've talked with Alumni Hall. They brought up the idea of doing a meet and greet type of thing with NIL involved with getting some players there too to sign some autographs. So. Those are a few things that are in the works for us as we've agreed on our partnership. So we're we are super stoked for this. Definitely, could you imagine a little sign up there? Maybe a little Jordan Travis, an old game day alumni hall type situation there. That would be a pretty fun day. So oh, that would uh, be great. But I think he was talking about you. I think he wants to meet and greet you. Well, we'll we will meet Tom and we will meet at that meetup, which will be more focused on Jordan Travis than me. I'll be off to the side with my phone in my hand getting pictures and video for our instagram but yeah shout out to alumni hall i appreciate y'all for sponsoring the show uh great people over there so make sure you guys use that code spear holiday 15 percent off also works online too so appreciate them let's jump into some score predictions guys florida state number 16 in the country taking on the florida gators billy napier's first year heading into doe campbell stadium in a night game in a night game hostile environment sold out here in Tallahassee, I'm amped up, man. I, it's kind of been a slow couple of weeks. Florida State expected to dominate these teams as they should, as they have, but this one, there's just extra juice to it, man. There always is, and the fact that it's at night like this, we don't have to go down to Gainesville like last year. Yada yada yada. It's in Doke, baby. It's game on. It's game on, baby. First one oh. in Doke since uh, 2018. So, I mean, it's been a while since Florida State's gotten to play this one in the comforts of home. And I just keep going back to the, the revenge factor because think about it. 2018, Florida came to town. FSU was five and six. That was when the bowl streak was still alive. Florida ends it right here in Tallahassee. And then last year, same thing, holds FSU out of the postseason. So, you know, two out of the last four years heading into this year, 
Florida has ended Florida State season. And I think the team has got to be thinking about that a little bit going into this one. A, a little extra motivation and puts a chip on the shoulder ahead of what could be a, a huge rivalry game. Oh, now VZ's muted. Now VZ's muted. Sorry. Won't catch me. Uh, oh, that, here we go. Yeah, here that, we go. That, that game in 2018 was my last game as a student mm. in Campbell Stadium. So it's not, it's, I want this one so bad. Oh my God, you have no idea. I, <laughs> a lot tough. of people hate Miami more. I cannot stand Florida. Mm-hmm. When you grow up in Jacksonville, just everybody's oh, yeah. a Florida fan. They and, are. oh my, I had so many people that I had to deal with talking smack to me because this is during the Tim Tebow and Chris Leak eras. Mm. I want this so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, man, I'm getting amped up, man. The, the perk about this, gentlemen, we're only two days away from it. Right now, in two days, we will be in Doe Campbell Stadium. Uh, well, we don't have to wait until Saturday. Me, me and you will, at least. I'll yeah, be, yeah, yeah. I'll be working yeah. a 12-hour Black Friday shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be getting off at the end of the first quarter, and I'll be going. I'm probably going to bed. <laughs> Uh, while we have everybody on here, make sure you hit the like button too if you want Florida State to win. I uh, just had to throw that in there, but uh, let, let's jump. Let's jump into score predictions, guys. I don't know who what. I'll whole start. Lineup I don't was. care. Florida State was ready. Florida, fired up. Florida State Whoa. thirty-eight, Florida twenty. It's it's only going to be that close because of a late Florida touchdown. No way. Smack I don't em. think he. I don't think that was my score. Did you say thirty-eight to twenty? Yeah, that was <laughs> my score. Whoa. <laughs> Uh-huh. I, it's, we definitely couldn't have talked about it because I came in late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that as, was thirty-eight. As as from like an actual you know breakdown of the game, I just think Florida's, Florida's missing too many weapons. You know, they're without five receivers, potentially six, depending on uh, depending on Pearsall. Um, you're without your top two receivers, maybe three, depending on what goes on with him. Um, I, I get Richardson through for through for four hundred yards last week, but. Respectfully, Florida State's better than Vanderbilt defensively. At least I would like to think so. Um, and it's not the same when he doesn't have the weapons that he could throw to. I think as long as Florida State limits their ground attack, I, I, they should run away with this game, honestly. I'll just go since my score prediction is also 38-20. to 20. Um, I'm not going to be changing it. But I, I thought it was I, – I was telling Logan to practice earlier this week. I thought that the Gators had a chance to cover the spread. But just with these injury – with the injury news, you know, five receivers out, two of the top three, the other guy, Ricky Pearsall, um, is questionable for this game and, and left last week with an injury. So, you know, there's potential he's not even under 100% healthy. It's tough to see Florida doing much offensively unless it comes on the ground where Florida State has been very good um as of late and then defensively ventral miller out for the first half and florida's defense has already struggled a ton and florida state's offense has just been in a rhythm so yeah i think florida state 38 florida 20 um snap a three-game losing streak to the gators and secure a nine-win season first time sweep in the state since 2016 nice little third year on the job for mike norvell in tallahassee I think Florida State becomes state champs this year for the first time in a very long while. Very long 2016. while. 20, yep, 2016. I just, I just well, I think they're going to – I'm going to double confirm it right now with you. I'm going to double confirm it. Florida State 
I think I y'all got all the injury stuff out of the way, the Florida talk, all that kind of crap. That's that's out of the way. Y'all covered that part. But for Florida State, this is senior night. This is senior mm-hmm. night for a few players here. Some guys that we won't see in Garnet and Gold, and you know, we'll see if they'll play in the bowl game, but this will be their last time, no matter what, playing inside Doe Campbell Stadium. This could be the last time we see Jared Verse and Doke. It will um, be. This is this this come on now. This this is just let, let the I, I've, had, I've had I've had oh, yeah mute how about you meet your mic this time meet your mic this time um watch that unmute um actually I can just hard mute it right there uh you know I everything just adds up where Florida State takes they'll they'll win this game I just wonder by how much how much do they want to put this away and you know Mike Norvell did what he did against Miami I don't think it will be to that extent but Florida Florida doesn't have a defense guys. You know, if Florida State's running game can do what it's done the last couple of weeks, uh, Florida doesn't scare me whatsoever defensively. Uh, I'll be honest with you. No matter if Ventrill, you know, if he's he can't play the first half, blah blah blah. I think I think they can put it away, put up points early. Um, and look at that, look at that defensive line. Look at Fabian Lovett. I think this is his last game in Doe Campbell Stadium too. Look at him to be gone after this. Robert Cooper too, a guy that has been around here for a very long while. You know, it's going to be an emotional game, but I've really liked the maturity that I've seen and definitely going back to that rivalry game against Miami. I, I just think this team is focused right now and they've got a larger bit at a, at a bigger postseason game than Florida. There's just a lot more focus. This season is, isn't isn't done yet. And I, I think we see that kind of dialed in attitude on Friday night in Doak. Uh, I got Florida State 34, uh, UF 20. I had that yesterday in my brain before all these wide receivers went out. I badly want to go to 30-14. That would be that would be fun. That would definitely be a fun time. But I, I either way, I think Florida State, you'll see some players out there with the gator head finally for the first time in a long time over there with the student section celebrating, putting that up. If if this game ends up like the Miami game, where we're just absolutely smoking them and it's a 40 point game someone's gonna have to block me on twitter because i'm gonna be reckless <laughs> i'm just saying it now because <laughs> i was i was going to after the basketball game and then that went down the drain uh so <laughs> I, I need some makeup yeah who's who who holds the gator head first who gets the it's gonna have to be a it's gonna have to be a senior maybe j trav gets it though I was gonna say verse, honestly, because he's like he's the guy that seems to have that edge to him the most. I'm sure he'd want to get it first. I'm yeah. sure he would want to get it I, first. I could also see it being Jamie. Say Jamie or Fabian. Mm, yeah, Fabo. Fabo. I mean, defense has done some ridiculous things ever since Fabian. This four game winning streak has coincided with Fabian Lovett's return. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. I think I do think, and Fabo is a big time leader. We saw that him excel this season. He leads the team huddle. We saw that in New Orleans. We're like, okay, yeah, Fabian love it. These guys flocked. They listened to him. Um, so yeah, and I, I think Fabo would probably be the guy to watch here. It, it's it should be a fun fun start to the weekend for Florida State fans. And you know, you get done with Thanksgiving, you go out, you tailgate all day Friday. And you go into Doak under the lights, and then you get ready to watch some more football on Saturday, and then you got more football on Sunday. I mean, this is an absolutely beautiful weekend. And it starts Thursday. 
You know, you have Thanksgiving NFL games, then two days of college football, and then you're back to NFL on Sunday. It's it's a great weekend. <sighs> the thing that's not great though is what's going on in the top. I mean, they did get their win. They won a game. Won a game. Florida State gets a win. Won a game. Look at that. Uh, was not was not without uh, some some worry. Um, it was very similar to the Florida game, which we didn't get a chance to talk about. And respectfully, I don't want to talk about that game because it only brings me pain. Um, other than the fact that they were up 17 at halftime, then they let Florida start the second off on a 30 to five run. Um, not not much you can say about that. That speaks for itself. But then the Mercer game, you know, it was pretty much the same story. Florida State got out to a big lead, led by eight at halftime. Mercer comes all the way back, takes the lead. It's back and forth for that like ten that ten minute mark to that four minute mark, and then Florida State finally put the game away. Uh, went, on, went on a lead like an eight zero run, and spent about two minutes, three minutes. And while there was some interesting action at the end, the game the game was out of hand, and finally these guys got a win. Um, they needed it just just for confidence's sake. They needed it. Matthew Cleveland played pretty well. Um, Cameron Fletcher was phenomenal against Mercer with a career high 23 points. Chandler Jackson looked good in his 10 minutes. It's great seeing him out there. It's great seeing Deontay Green out there much sooner than we thought. Um, even Nahima Cloud, who after the UCF game, you know, they're saying ah, probably six to eight weeks, he's back in a week and he's looking fluid, looking, looking mobile, um, and had a career high five blocks against Mercer. It's the kind of impact he has to have um, for this team going forward. And then they're right back at it tomorrow. In the ESPN Invitational at 11 a.m. playing Siena, we'll see what happens. Um, but we won't. I won't be watching. I I will. Damn. Um, my my preview will be ready probably about 1 a.m. You're welcome, Dustin. Um, I won't be up to post that. I'll be on the road tomorrow. Um, all right, to Logan, Georgia. it's all you. Um, <laughs> I guess so. Um, I got you. I got you, VZ. I care about your basketball pieces. No, you don't. Don't lie for the camera. Um, oh, golly, <laughs> I, I, I'm really, I'm really curious to see how the guys play this weekend because they finally have some death back. You know, for the first time all season, yeah. we saw those hockey style lineup changes, um, where five guys come in, five guys come out. That, that's how Florida State wants to play. Um, and if Chandler Jackson can keep getting more minutes, I, mm-hmm. I really like the way he looked against Mercer. Just the, when was the last time we saw a guard cut backdoor baseline, get the pass, and then pitch it to the corner? That was my favorite play of the season. That was and a great he's, play. He's a freshman who only played two minutes against Florida. Um, I'm ignoring that comment. Um, it, it's it's so great to see him play, and uh, I, I, Florida State needs that kind of point guard that that just knows how to distribute the basketball, knows how to handle the basketball. Because as good as Caleb Mills is, he's not really a true point guard. Worley's showing some warts. Um, you, you need a guy like Chandler Jackson to be successful. I like Jackson. He looks like he's going to be a fun two-way player when he figures it out. A little, I know he's a little bit behind because of the, the thumb, but hopefully in a couple of weeks here, once he gets adjusted to the speed of the college game and especially as they get into the conference schedule, then he could be someone you really like down the stretch of the season. And once he gets the brace off his his hand, like he still he still has a wrap on his shooting hand. I can only imagine how hard it is to shoot free throws and threes when you've got mm. you know a wrap around your entire hand. Mm. I'm looking at Florida State's upcoming schedule after facing the Siena Saints. Number twenty-four Purdue, and then you go on the road to number five Virginia. I mean, yeah, we don't, don't want to get we don't want to talk about that yet. Don't don't remind me. Ahead. 
Uh, I already booked the hotel for the Virginia game. I'm not excited. Um, <laughs> Dustin looks bewildered. <laughs> I just looked at that. I'm like, let's uh, um, let's talk about my money that back. next week. Yeah, but like, we're not paying for that, right, Logan? For what? I, it'd be for nice. Hotel. I, it, it'd be nice, <laughs> but I, I I know better. Oh, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, we can we can help out. Um. Plus, I already requested the time off work, so I'm going. Yay, go Knowles. Um, it's it's. I'm not. I'm we'll get really to that. Looking to that game. Really why, looking to get. Why does the conference schedule start so early this year? Um, I mean, it's it's nothing new. I feel like it's normally closer to January. No, nah, because um, I think it was the the 2019-2020 team. The first game of the year was against Pitt. I remember that, but I thought um, that, that was like an outlier. They played that and then went through the rest no, of their conference. I, I think it was last year. Last year, I want to say they played like Notre Dame really early, like about this time last year. Um, they, they usually do this, like they'll do like two or three games, ACC, go back to a couple of non-conference games, then it's right back in an ACC schedule. It, they've done it the last couple of years. We'll get to that. We'll get to the. Are they beating uh, Siena tomorrow? Um, oh, man. Oh, I was so nervous going into the Mercer game just because Mercer can shoot the lights out, and they did shoot the lights out, but luckily they just could not do anything else. Um, Siena is 251st Kempom um, with losses to Army and Harvard, so you'd like to think you win that game. You'd like to think, but... Uh, what is what is FSU's camp bomb? Um, surprisingly high for for how they've been playing. Uh, um, I think they're still. Let's see. Is this one game, or do, if they do, they have another opponent? Yeah, they have a, they have another opponent okay. no matter what. Um, I'd have to look at the bracket again, which I can here in a second. Florida State is a hundred and sixth camp bomb, which makes no no sense, honestly. <laughs> um. I feel like if they did net rankings right now, they'd be about 300 or so. Um, it's, it's just not been pretty. It, like you can't lose to, you know, Stetson, UCF, and whoever else, and expect to be oh. rated highly in the metrics. Um, so no matter what, FSU is playing three games at this tournament. I know for sure two. I'm looking um, at it right now. Okay, you are. Yeah, I know for sure two. No matter what, they'll play the other. The, the other loser of Ole Miss, Stanford, and then they'll end up playing either Oklahoma, Nebraska, Memphis, or Seton Hall. That other side of the bracket's tough. Honestly, with mm-hmm. with Seton Hall, Memphis, and Oklahoma, um, that's a tough side of the bracket. Bracket. Ole Miss doesn't really scare me. Stanford doesn't really scare me, but. At the same time, Florida State does scare me with the way they've been playing. Yeah, I was about to say, your old team <laughs> scares you. Yeah, um, yeah. Not scared of Ole Miss or Stanford, but you're shaking a little bit when we ask you about Sienna. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that tell you anything uh, about how I feel about uh, this? That's the 2022 <laughs> season right there, 2022, um, 2023. I, I, the, the team is going to get better now that guys are coming back. Um, granted, at this point, the only guy you're expecting back now is going to be Bobo Miller in still almost two months. Mm. Um, but at least they have 10 guys that they can throw out there. That, that at least gives me a little bit of hope. 
I've loved seeing Dick Vitale go after the NCA, man. He's at he like he likes my tweet at him on Twitter. He likes my he tweet too. Yeah. We gotta get him on the show. Jump in those DMs, VZ, and say, hey, I'll, we I'll, cover Florida State basketball. I'll do what I can. I'll I'll send the picture that we took. Is it was me and him before what game was it? I want to say it was FSU Louisville in 2018. Yeah. We took we took a picture in the tunnel together. I'm sending Send the picture saying, pictures. Hey, you know me. Come on the podcast. Let's let's talk trash about the NCAA together. You, you I use can't the wait. S yeah, use the SI clout there and say, you know, I'm with SI now. You know, I'd love to have you on for 10, 15 minutes if you're about it. Yeah. And you know that's him on Twitter because you can just tell by his tweets. That's yeah, yeah. He doesn't have you a tell by the way or someone running his Twitter. That's yeah. an 80-year-old man on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's phenomenal. I hope to be that one day. All right. The, cool. That's a good way to that's a good battle. I don't know what y'all would say. I was no, just I've, to I've, used up, I've used up all my energy that I can. Good, good to know. Well, that's going to do it for this show. This weekend, enjoy everybody. Safe travels. Happy Thanksgiving too. I know we didn't talk about our favorite food. We feel like we do that every year, but turkey or ham? Turkey or ham? Turkey, turkey, ham. turkey. I'm ham. Put in the chat. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed. But it depends on how you cook. How you cook no, the turkey, though. No, you don't want ham. turkey. I like a good fried turkey, a little garlic. Ham. Fry it there, and then you nice and crispy ham. on the outside. No. Ham. Uh, hams for Christmas, I think. I don't care. Ham. It's for both. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> ham is for any time of the year. Let's let's be real. It's universal. Well, not Leonard Hamilton at basketball. All Anyways, right. happy right. Thanksgiving, We're everybody. About good ham. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, <laughs> appreciate everybody always tuning in here. Y'all have been awesome this year. It's crazy. We're already at the end of the regular season. I feel like we just started. This has flown by. I mean, I was expecting it to fly by, but wow, this was the this is the end of the regular season, gentlemen. This was our last game preview. Whew, crazy to think of, but at least we got a bowl game to talk about. So we'll have some more practices and everything like that. A busy next couple of weeks, too. So appreciate everybody tuning in. As always, if you're still on YouTube right now or Facebook, hit the like button before you leave. Share with your friends. We appreciate everyone hopping on here with us this evening, bringing in some chat stuff. So been great with you guys. Enjoy the weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you guys Saturday night. It's going to be a late one, but we'll be there Friday night, Friday night. God, I went this whole show without it. Friday night, Friday night, Uh, really late. It might be. No, actually, it might be Saturday. Ha ha. Gotcha. Instant reaction will be probably 12, 15, 1230 in the morning. So and there's a 50 50 chance I'm awake. I'm going to be honest. Oh, my gosh. I I, see at 12. (laughs) After the game, I'll be in reaction of number 16 versus Florida. See you guys on Saturday morning. <laughs> Peace. Late Friday, you're